Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. The Agora Network story begins with a crisis, a mental health and spiritual crisis. Today we're joined by Bonnie and Ellen Gallant. They are the co-founders of Agora Network Ministries. Today they join us to tell their amazing story and their journey with a mental health and spiritual crisis. They're going to share how they started up Agora Network Ministries and how they're helping churches across the country learn how to deal with mental health in the church. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. Bonnie and Ellen Gallant experienced a life-altering and life-changing event in their life in 2017, and that led them to start up Agora Network Ministries, and we're going to hear about that coming up in a little bit. We're going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to start before the incident that changed uh, your mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, and what life was like prior to 2017. Okay, I guess Alan wants me to share that. Um, Alan has been, or we have been in ministry all of our married life, really. So that would be 30, I always get that mixed up, 33, 33 years in full-time ministry. Um, we had done a church plant just prior to the stroke, which um, we ended up closing after five years, I do believe it was. But so that was a very stressful event in our lives, which are some of the things that we feel that led up to the July 7, 2017. Um, I work in the funeral profession as a funeral pre-planner. And we have five children, um, grown children. They all look like the father. They're good looking. <laughs> <laughs> they are blessed. They are. Uh, four, four out of our five are married. And we have six grandchildren with number seven on the way. Mm, wow. So um, I was very busy after the church plant. Alan was maintaining several jobs to keep our heads afloat financially and Really, I was the primary breadwinner in what I was doing and traveling back and forth mm-hmm. to work. And um, yeah, it was a really busy time in our mm-hmm. lives. So were your kids growing already uh, by 2017 then? You're really busy working though and planting this church? Absolutely. Yes. All of our kids, the, our youngest right now will be turning 27 wow. and our oldest is 36. So <laughs> our children are all grown adults. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but they were, well, the stroke was almost four years ago. So that kind of gives you an idea where they were, but mm-hmm. they were all married at that point in time and had some grandchildren. So yes. Well, four are married and right. one is single. Could you t- tell us about that day, July 7th, 2017? Yeah, that was a difficult day uh, for me. <laughs> I, uh, one of my jobs was working in the funeral industry um, and I went to work that morning um, um, and I came home. It was a very hot day um, and I was in a bad state before um, the stroke that happened to me. I was uh, depressed, burnt out, anxieties was through the roof. I was an angry, bitter, not forgiven person. And I struggled deeply. But when I came home after I worked that day, we were attending a church uh, locally. And I remember I was done with church, even though I pastored for 33 years. And But the hurts and the pains and the trauma of my life, I had it. 
So I wrote to this church stating that I was going to take our membership out of this church. And uh, and in my mind, it was over for church and God and the whole thing. And seconds later, I became very disoriented. I became very dizzy. And I tried to holler up for help, and my speech, my voice was gone completely. I knew I had a stroke, um, and I got myself downstairs. My wife was at work. None of our our kids were around. Uh, My mom and dad lived with us at that point in, in an apartment in our home, and they were supposed to be gone for the day, and but they were home. And I tried to get my mom's attention. She thought I was playing charades <laughs> with her, uh, but I was in I was in trouble. And so she called nine one one. Again, I knew the stroke happened. I was starting to feel numb on my right side, um, and the ambulance came and uh, took me to the hospital where, where I got treatment. Mm. What was that like when you found out, uh, Bonnie, that Ellen had had this stroke? It was horrendous, actually. Uh, actually, a couple of days prior to that, because of the state that Alan was in, I was driving into work and I thought, you know what, I can do this on my own because he, was, he wasn't the man that I married. Okay, bitterness really set in and I just felt like I was carrying a lot of the weight. And uh, so driving into work just two days prior to that, I was like, you know what, I can do this on my own, you know, Mm -hmm. those thoughts that go through your head. So anyway, I was at work was on a Friday morning. And I got the call that my mother in law was on the phone. And I thought she never calls me at work. What? Why does she, you know, what does she want? (laughs) So anyway, when she said Bon Allen has had a stroke, I really didn't believe her. Um, I thought maybe she was exaggerating or, you know, he might've had a dizzy spell or whatever, but anyway, work was wonderful. They, I was 45 minutes from where I work and where we lived. So they were taking me, um, to the hospital cause he was in, um, Niagara Falls hospital. Cause that is the stroke hospital here regionally, one of the better ones. And as I was going over the Skyway bridge in St. Catharines, I got a call from the hospital wanting to know if I was en route. And it wasn't until then that I realized that this is serious because she said, Mrs. Gallant, are you on your way? I said, I am. She said, your husband has had a stroke. And then I just remember asking the Lord, please let him live until I get there. And then of course I had to put the word out to the kids that it was truth. And anyway, by the time I got to the hospital, all of our children were there waiting for me. And uh, yeah, it was, um, it was probably one of the worst days of my life. Mm. Yeah. Now you managed to recover, Ellen, and you came home, but after having a stroke, there's a lot to take in. You have (laughs) to relearn so many things in your life. Tell Mm -hmm. us about that transition um, once you did recover and and once you were back at home. Well, being at home was very difficult on many levels. Because I had the stroke there, um, there was a lot of post-traumatic stuff going on and so I began to panic a lot when I was in the house it didn't seem safe to me Um, even though it was our refuge uh, for many our lives now it didn't seem safe and the other thing that was very hard was 
I had to learn to um, speak again. Uh, I, I, when I say I lost my voice, I didn't know how to speak. I couldn't um, even uh, know how to form my tongue to say the words in my mind. I could speak very clearly, but from my mind to my tongue, uh, I have what's called aphasia. So uh, I have a minor um, uh, result of aphasia now, but that was the hardest thing for me. Um, and I think that contributed to the downward slide into a deeper depression. I was having uh, uh, like 20 to 25, maybe 30 of panic attacks a day. Wow. And so I was, I was on the floor. I was crying. I was curled up in a ball many times. And my wife kept asking me, what's wrong? And I couldn't tell her. My thoughts were um, very scattered. They were like, a hundred balloons in my mind and I couldn't focus on one of them. And a lot of things began to come up in my thoughts about uh, my trauma of the past, my hurts and my bitterness. Um, and so it was a very hard time for me in on many levels. And I, I was feeling fear. I, I thought is this, if this was my new normal, I didn't want it. So I began to think even about the suicide and how to make that happen. Um, but uh, the, I never got to that point. So that's good. Very good. <laughs> what, what pulled you from that point? What saved you from that? Well, what saved me was I'm a chicken, number one. <laughs> and number two, um, I had a wife that was very um, um, tender towards me. And, and uh, um, even though she didn't understand fully, uh, many times I think she thought I wasn't as bad I, as I was. Uh, but uh, I remember the night that she took me to the hospital. Um, she was ready to throw a lamp at me, but decided <laughs> to throw a pillow instead because she was so tired and frustrated. And I said to her, uh, I need to get to the hospital. Please take me there. Um, it was desperation, Mike, uh, total desperation, because I, I thought if I went any longer, uh, I had a lot of pills in my home because I was on them for my stroke. And I thought I have to do is take them and fall asleep. But she took me to the hospital and was there that they saw how critical I was. And then I was um, put in a minute into the mental health um, ward um, on the hospital. And I began to recover for um, uh, 10 days in the hospital there. Prior to that, uh, Mike and Colleen, we had gone two weeks without any sleep. Or mm. Alan had gone two weeks without any sleep and, and not eating. He lost a considerable amount of weight. So that just contributed to everything. Like I could not leave his side. I never left, left his side from the day of the mm -hmm. stroke. Um, he would panic if I wasn't there. So it was a, just a constant buildup. And I would just constantly say, just tell me what's wrong. If you just tell me, then I can help you. But mm -hmm. he couldn't articulate that at all. 
And that night, it was a Sunday night, he was just crawling on the floor and it, it was horrible in the corner in our bedroom, rocking like a baby. And I was at my wit's end and I just wasn't sure what to do. So I threw a pillow at him yeah. and said, you know, <laughs> get your get stuff, your stuff together. together. <laughs> what is wrong? I'm here to help, but you're not telling me. So that's when yeah. we, it was time to but go. But she didn't stay stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bonnie, what was that like to watch your husband get admitted into the mental health ward and, and stay there? Was there relief or were you like, this is the end? This is worse? Or? <laughs> that's exactly, I'll never forget it. And it's, it's an awful memory. It's one that really emotionally still will go through my head because when we got there and the psychiatrist that was there to help, actually she was a Christian. So mm. God just put all the right people in the right places at that time. And we're walking down this corridor and they said, we're going to the E section. And anyway, down we go. And then we go through these double doors and everything locks behind you. And it just felt like, felt like a walk of shame. Um, mm. I've never been in such a scary spot Mm -hmm. and we get in there and there's all these rooms that only have a window and there's patients in there with are barely clad (laughs) clothed and I'm sitting there with my husband and he has this calmness over him (laughs) and I am in a literal panic they said you know we need to take your belt Mr. Gallant and all of these things and I thought I can't believe this is happening to us Mm. like how does this happen? I'm going to say to Bonnie and Alan, because that's, you know, everybody knows us mm-hmm. and just that kind of strong couple. And here we are sitting in a mental health ward asking for my husband's belt. He's calm because he knows he's getting help. And I'm like, how long is this journey going to be? Well, also, they gave me some Ativan. Yeah, so he was. So I was high on drugs. (laughs) But proper drugs. Yeah, (laughs) right. And I, for the first time in months, I felt good. Mm. Um, I remember the psychiatrist that when she came down where I was in the ER before I went up to the mental health ward. She said, the words I needed her to say was, we can help you because I lost hope that I was going to find help. And when she said, um, we can help you, I uh, then she said, but take these pills until we do. <laughs> and uh, so um, that was a real good relief for me. But I know Bonnie was uh, in a very fearful state mm. um, and but. But uh, it was a part of our journey that we had to go through. Just even being in in that area of the hospital, and I'll just quickly tell you another story. So it had been probably a year and a half, I guess, that Alan, we were out. And anyway, there was someone we knew that was in that department, and we went to go visit them and bring them some things. And as I was walking through that a year and a half later, I just honestly mm-hmm. could hardly feel my legs as we're mm-hmm. walking through the department, the ward. And then we couldn't find her. And I kept saying, now, let's just go. Let's just go. And when we got out of there, I just, I lost it. I said, please don't ever mm-hmm. take me through there again. The memories I didn't realize because, you know, we're great at being able to bury the pains in our mm-hmm. lives. And I just buried that so deep thinking, I just never want to go in there again. Mm-hmm. But it sure mm-hmm. makes you sympathetic for those who are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, well, they now need to be there. Yeah, empathetic. Right? They need to be there, but it's such a difficult spot. It's hard. Yeah. Um, now, 
like the story has a good ending, obviously. And what I find very interesting, you go one day to, I'm done with church. I'm done with ministry to a stroke that completely turns your life upside down to that birthing a ministry. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot happened in a very short time. When I was laying on the hospital bed after the stroke, it was just a couple of hours in and I was on the TPA drug which was busting the clot. So the clot was gone, but I'm still going, but I still didn't know if I was going to be paralyzed. I didn't know if I was still going to live or die. And I didn't know if I was going to speak again, but I remember thinking this, God, you gave me a second chance at my life and ministry. I, I said to him, if you, Don't restore my body. And this is what was going through my mind. If you don't restore my body, please restore my soul. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, I began to feel God restoring. Um, My bitterness was leaving me just like water out of the out of the cup, you know. And and, uh, I was feeling that God was very near to me. And he began to restore both my body and my soul. And so when I was going through my recovery, which was up and down, and but when we began to think uh, that I'm turning the corner, uh, God began to answer our prayers because we were saying we were in ministry for, like Bonnie said, 33 years. That's what we know. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader in the church. And uh, we began to pray, God, what's next? And he began to open up doors for me to go to churches to begin to speak my story and in that in those um, churches in those times with the people of God uh, it came very apparent that the church and this is not a criticism of the church but the church lacks the uh, knowledge and the um, engagement and they're not equipped to handle Uh, people inside their walls that are going through mental health struggles. And so God began to open up the doors. And uh, and in a very short time, uh, Gora Network Ministries was birthed. And uh, and so here we are today. Tell us about Agora Network Ministries. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a, yeah, Bonnie's going to share. I'll I'll jump in really quick on that one. Um, even after Alan was in the hospital and was hospitalized and came out, he had another spiral. And of course, at that point, we decided we would turn to the church. And we had gone, there was a church that was so gracious to us and allowed us to go for some free counseling. And when we got there, it was basically the counsel that we got was read your Bible more, pray more, trust more. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you don't even really know us. And, you know, that's all we've been doing. And it was really, um, a bad point mm-hmm, when we left. Mm-hmm. We thought, where do we turn now? Like that he was done at the hospital. They that's all that they could do for him. And so we thought, if we're suffering through this, how many more people in the church are going through this too? So the church that we were attending at that time asked Alan to share his story. And after he shared his story, I knew I said to him, I said, We're not done ministry. I said, Mm -hmm. God has something for us because so many people said to him, you need to share this. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we just started, Agora was a name that Alan had for a while. 
and even before the even stroke. before the stroke because it means where the people gather and it's like okay this is where the people gather the believers we go to the church for so many things so much encouragement advice and and help, help. and yet we're lacking in the the mental health area it's not always a spiritual issue mm-hmm. and that's where our hearts just burden for those who sit silently in the church there's a great stigma attached to mental yes. problems and uh, many uh, believers are too ashamed uh, mm. and feel guilty for even talking about it so that's why uh, agora network ministries was birthed yeah. uh, it, it was birthed out of our story of, of my crisis but really it's now for the people the pastors, the leaders, yeah. the church, the body of Christ, to understand, be educated, equipped, and engaged to the mental health stigma and the conversation about mental health inside the walls of the church. Our vision is to be uh, a ministry that is um, um, a Canadian network from coast to coast to uh, really um, resource the church and the leaders uh, with practical, quality, and sustainable, um, holistic body, soul, and spirit help for those who are in need. So, you know, God has been so good in these days. We have, in two years, have an incorporation. We have boredom. Uh, a board of uh, directors. We have a great ministry team of psychotherapists, doctors of mental uh, health. We have nurses, mental health nurses, um, and, uh, and it's growing social workers that work with us and many other agencies that we can uh, resource the people of God and the church towards. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what else to say. There's there's a lot of things we're doing. We just came through a, a, a major a conference. It was called the Perseverance Conference, uh, Moving Towards Mental Wellness. And we had uh, speakers like Kay Warren, uh, Brent Allman, uh, Dr. Grant Malling, and Amy Simpson, who were our keynote speakers. And uh, it was amazing. And uh, um, people really can get on our site and, um, listen to that still today. Now you, you obviously have grown and you have all these people that have come on board. What has the response been like from those who have had the opportunity to mm. use the resources of Agora Network Ministries? Well, um, re- relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Many people have said to us inside the church, it's about time. Finally, we have a ministry that uh, wants to help the church with these resources because many churches don't have any list or resources for their people that struggle with mental health issues. Um, so we have people that are relieved. We have people that are um, very um, excited because now for the first time they see hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so pastors as well, Uh, So many pastors are thankful for this ministry because, number one, a lot of, you know, that 33% of pastors in North America are at risk for burnout. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I know in Manitoba, you have, in just in Winnipeg, you have 771 churches. <laughs> and uh, you have about a thousand or more Christian leaders in these churches. And, you know, 33% possibly are at risk for burnout. So that's like almost 350 pastors and Christian leaders inside your city that might be struggling. So, you know, pastors are um, thankful. What's interesting, uh, Colleen and Mike, is that um, when I talk to the pastors, they whisper back to me sometimes, you know what, I'm on medication too. And so um, they're hurting and they're thankful for the ministry that we can give them. We quite often forget about them because they're the ones helping. They're the ones helping people heal. And it's something we quite often forget. And like you said, too, the stigma surrounding this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of pastors, that's, they haven't even been really educated in that, in dealing with mental Mm -hmm. health. You know, they're, they're, is spiritual, which is great. And, you know, to be able to know that, you know, this is beyond what I can do. They really need to see a doctor or a a Therapist. therapist. So, and even like something that we have learned through this, we wouldn't think twice of going to a doctor and be, you know, doing our checkups physically. And so often listening to the people that are on our team and says, why don't we have a counselor? as part of our medical yeah. genre, like we should be seeing counselors, everybody, just even if it's <laughs> once a year, just to sit down to review, like what, how yeah. are you doing? What's going on in your life? Are there, you know, it, once you start, you realize there are things that are very deep within inside of you that maybe you need to talk about. And that was going to be one of my questions was how important is it to put our mental health on the forefront as opposed to putting it on the back burner all the time? It should be part of both. Yeah. Colleen, thir- um, I, don't, I don't mind. I hope you don't mind me sharing some stats, but in Canada, 58% of people since COVID now are in some type of mental health crisis. They may not have an illness or a disorder, but maybe they have um, just having a hard time navigating mentally and emotionally through this. So that means if people in the church, they're the same as everybody else in the world in Canada. So almost six out of 10 people might have a mental health problem that are inside the church. And that's a lot of people. Moving forward, how would you like to see Agora Network Ministries working across the country? Yeah, that's a a wonderful question. And we're still working on that. But um, we have gained some territory in in helping people. Uh, We have, of course, here in Ontario, uh, we are trying to navigate with churches how they can um, develop a mental health strategy inside the walls of their churches and we have a one of our team members is helping me talk to the pastors about how we do that so we like to get to uh, see pastors and churches across Canada um, uh, have a mental health wellness ministry inside 
the walls of the church that goes outside the walls and helps people outside in the community as well. Um, I would like to have a representative in each province. I have a, a Gora Network Ministry representative so they can um, gain access to or make uh, uh, connections with pastors and, um, and churches across Canada. Uh, we have right now, Colleen, in September, we're launching what's called the Agora Academy. And so we have a professor, a mental health professor. She's on our board of directors, and she's uh, going to be teaching an eight-week course uh, from September the 8th until November about uh, different uh, illnesses, diagnosis, and skills um, and she's going to be uh, doing this, like I said, for eight weeks. Uh, anybody can enter into this. And we're working on uh, small group um, material for churches, for individuals. We, we, hey, we're we're authors for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote a book, and uh, we really want to get our book into hands of pastors. Uh, for um, many reasons, to understand our story in written form, but also understand because inside the book, it talks about how the church needs to step up in this issue. Um, and so uh, we like to get into churches. I love to come to Winnipeg. And, uh, <laughs> in the <speak>. summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, speak to many people in many churches. Uh, we love to get to the you know, the West of Ontario. For our listeners who who want to learn more about Agora Network Ministries, who want to help you in this goal to have Agora across Canada, mm-hmm. how can they go about learning more, getting in contact with you? How can they learn about your book and learn more about the two of you? Well, the easiest thing is to go onto our website, which would be agoranetworkministries.com. And um, we always ask people to please subscribe because then, you know, they can get more information and things. We have blogs, podcasts, um, resources, everything is on our website. So that's a wonderful way of being able to connect with us. If you have any questions, we certainly ask you to um, email us, email us mm-hmm. at info at Agora Network Ministries. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. And uh, we can address any questions questions there but um our our biggest thing is you know we really want to get into churches we want to share our story um part of our book too is now being um, written into a devotional so be something that you do as a group or um Mm -hmm. individually um and you know we always say and the gordon network ministries is a faith-based um ministry so it's something that this is what we do god Mm -hmm. has birthed it he has given us this and um we have people that have supported it financially for us to move the ministry mm-hmm. along. It's been, it's been overwhelming. Yeah, it's been it, it has been, you know, the other thing I think, which is in very important, my wife and I, uh, we uh, were able to uh, shoot a quality video mm-hmm. of our story and the message to the church. And I know right now in person is very hard, uh, <laughs> Here in Ontario, we're locked down, stay-at-home order for another little little while. We're we're hearing that. And I know Manitoba is now uh, in crisis mode, too. Uh, You have the uh, crisis mode. uh, And uh, I I think across Canada, the Maritimes. 
everybody is uh, in, uh, in uh, lockdown, it seems. So this message on video is 25 minutes long, and it really helps churches get to know us and the ministry. Uh, and so people can request that video, uh, and uh, we can send that video to your uh, church. Mm-hmm. So you get to see us, not in not live, but in, <laughs> in person in some way. Uh, so I, that's another way people can respond. And, uh, hey, I'd love to get my video and my face in, on Vancouver Island. <laughs> as well We're going as, big. <laughs> uh, Newfoundland, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. pleasure. Thank you for much. And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.